Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with your host, Tessa Zali, licensed esthetician, acne specialist, and certified nutrition coach. Hello, hello. I've been so MIA in the past couple of weeks, so I really appreciate your patience with me in getting a new episode up. I have been trying to honor my New Year's resolution, which is just being a little bit gentler on myself and giving myself space to rest or get inspired. I definitely go through cycles of burnout just with content creation and being a business owner and it feels like this constant juggling act of personal life, taking care of myself, taking care of my clients, taking care of the business, making sure I'm marketing the business. It's just like it feels a little bit never ending when when I'm in a low point or a, a place of burnout, it just feels very overwhelming. Then I allow myself time to rest and I'm like, this is amazing. This is everything I've ever wanted. I am so happy and I'm so grateful always, but it can catch up with me at times. And I also think going out of town, honestly, I don't go out of town very much and not a humble brag but I have not been on vacation in a long time. And I don't think that's good. (laughs) It's something I want to do. I think, I don't know if anyone else can relate, but vacation almost scares me because I'm just like, will everything, how, how will, how will I not be communicating with clients daily? How can I take space away from the business? And I think there's like a layer of going out of town where I feel very just off the grid and like I'm not in my normal work environment when I'm when I'm out of town, even though I have my laptop, I have my email, I just don't feel like I'm in the space to work and that makes me feel not in control and kind of nervous. So what ends up happening is I don't take vacations and I work every single day and I don't honor weekends. At least that was something I wasn't really doing up until (laughs) past couple of weekends. I've been truly not going on Instagram much, not, not checking my email, not responding to, to clients over the weekend not putting this pressure on myself to create content every single day. And I know there's ways I should start improving this and start creating systems and structures like hiring a team member is something I want to do this year. An assistant or somebody to help me with social media is something I'm probably probably looking for especially somebody to help me with the free skin social media because 
I have my own social media. I have my podcast. I have my YouTube. I have TikTok. I have Instagram. And then there's managing social media for a brand, which I want to grow. Unfortunately, that goes on the bottom of the list a lot of times. And I know it's one of the most important things. So hiring out is a big goal of mine. I feel like it's overdue and I'm almost embarrassed to say I haven't done that yet, but I just haven't. And yeah, that's something I just, I know I need to do if I want to scale or if I want to maintain my sanity or take vacations. So it's really up to nobody but myself. But anyway, I wanted to mention that just because recently I went out of town, which was not for a vacation. I think everybody thought I was on vacation, but it was really a work trip for my upcoming brand launch. We did a photo shoot and it went amazing. It was so much fun. I brought in my creative team who I actually used to work with at E. We ended up syncing up later in life once we had our own businesses. And so I now work with a little team just for free skin specifically, mostly on things like graphic design, aka like my label design for my products, my website, any free skin collateral, such as when you order my cleansers, you'll get stickers and a little a little like stock card that says a little bit about the products, how to use them. I have a whole how to double cleanse little little blurb on there. So they help me with anything design related. That is one thing I will give myself credit for hiring a graphic design team. Uh, they don't necessarily do my, my SD Tessa Instagram posts. Those are me. And I have also account hired an accountant and a CPA. So got to give myself a little bit of credit, but had the photo shoot. It was kind of an ordeal, a good ordeal, but it was just a lot to get down there to try to organize work before I left. And then of course made it (laughs) as difficult as possible, possible on myself by driving to LA, which is like a seven hour road trip for me packed the car, just think clothing racks, suitcases, Dyson, all the skincare you could ever imagine for myself personally being away for a week and for my clients and their skin prep on the shoot. And then we did the photo shoot in two days. It just goes by so quick and it's such a big investment. We prepared for this for months. And I think the hard thing is knowing how many months it took me to save to do the photo shoot. And then it just going so fast. And we had a great time. It was so cool to meet one of my clients who I've never met in person before. Two of them I have, but one of them, shout out to Mega, who is my angel the sweetest client ever. We've worked together, I think, for a little over two years. She now wants to become an esthetician. So I love uh, kind of looping her in in the process and showing her 
the behind the scenes of my brand. And she's always curious and learning more about what I do. So I wanted her to be one of the faces of my next launch. And that's something that is unique to my brand and that I'm so excited about. All my models are real clients, real free skin users, people who already love the cleansers and who I just feel really embody my messaging and and just the free skin vibe. And they're also unique in their own ways and have such have such confidence in their own ways. And that was the other really cool thing about watching Mega at this photo shoot. She is a little more shy and soft-spoken on the surface. And two of my clients have actually done some modeling work before. They're just in front of the camera more. And Mega, I just didn't know how she was going to feel because even myself, I was nervous. It's a lot to be in front of, you know, a room full of people and camera equipment and lighting and just to be getting poses <laughs> shouted out at you. And if you've never modeled before, it truly puts in perspective how difficult modeling is, how difficult it is to to adjust your body and try to get the right angle and showcase the product at the same time and look like you're having fun and not deer in headlights. And Mega just blew us all away. It was so cool to watch her just blossom in front of the camera. And I asked her after, how did that feel? How are you doing? And she just said, Tess, I feel so confident. And I was like, Yes, this is what it is all about. So I was so proud of her. It was such a great vibe. You also never know how it's going to go when you are introducing, you know, a bunch of people who have never met before, people that I love all individually. And I mean, everyone has the best, the best energy. So I knew that. And that was part of, uh, part of the casting, just you know, wanting people who are going to vibe and, you know, be kind and welcoming to everyone. And that's exactly how it was. Like, it really couldn't have gone better in terms of that. And I just wanted everyone to feel comfortable and confident. So that was like mission accomplished. You can never really do everything you want in a photo shoot. There are going to be some things or some shots that didn't happen, maybe some missed opportunities, or the lighting isn't perfect. But overall, it went so well, and I cannot wait to launch this next little round of products. There's going to be lots more to come, and I already have a little vlog up on YouTube. My channel name is Tess Zolly, so you can go check that out if you want to see a little behind the scenes and just how everything went down. I'm also going to have my creative team on the podcast in a couple of weeks, hopefully, as long as it works with everyone's schedule, and we're going to talk more about having a photo shoot for your brand, and my, yeah, my creative team's tips for really maximizing a photo shoot. It is, again, such a big investment. And here's the thing, as a small business, it's like 
you are always making money, spending money, and putting money back into the business. Even if you're doing really well, you would be surprised how much of that goes to taxes, how much of that goes to supplies, how much of that goes to things like your website and a photo shoot. Like seriously, thousands of dollars can go really, really quickly. So you also want to factor factor that into the equation if you are thinking of starting a brand. That said, I should have done this a long time ago. I know so many estheticians I see on social media have the most stunning pictures. And it's one thing to see it on Instagram. I think after you've done a photo shoot, you know how much work goes into that and how how difficult it really is to get the right shots that you want. I just have so much respect for people who are good at modeling good at getting, you know, amazing pictures because I will say it was a lot tougher than I imagined, but you do start to get more comfortable just, you know, with a little bit of time and direction in front of the camera. That is my little life update. I want to go ahead and get into the topic of today's show, which is going to be answering your listener questions. So thank you to all of those who submitted your questions. And by the way, I am posting question boxes really often these days, definitely at least once a week, sometimes (laughs) three to four times a week, just because I like to stay very connected with my audience. I want to know what you're curious about, what issues you're facing or your clients are facing. So I really love posting question boxes and I might answer on Instagram. I might answer on the podcast. So make sure you follow along if you want to see your question answered. And let's hop into these questions. Okay, kicking it off with a question that says, what is the best routine to heal acne scarring? Not deep acne scarring. Okay, this is a really good, good question. And my question to anyone who asks about scarring is always wanting to know more. And I think as providers, as estheticians, we can always deliver the best service by answering a question with a question, at least first, and trying to get as much information as we can before answering. Because we want to remember, a lot of times the client, they're not the skin expert, so they may not have properly diagnosed themselves. They may be calling something one thing when it's really another. So you really want to get specific and ask more questions. So I, of course, would want to see the scarring if this was somebody I was treating in real life. The other thing is acne scarring is one of the most miss misappropriately named terms by clients. What I mean is oftentimes clients will ask about scarring when they really mean post-inflammatory erythema 
or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, PIE or PIH. So we want to know, are we talking about discoloration or are we talking about true scarring? There are a lot of different types of scars and scars are really permanent damage to the skin. It doesn't mean that scars can't be improved but we're talking about a true loss of tissue or collagen that's really difficult to just replace and you know you think of collagen supplements or even topicals that have the word collagen in them i think to somebody who's not totally educated this sounds like it's something that's going to fill in their scars with collagen people think ingesting collagen is going to create new topical collagen. And that is just simply not true. The analogy I was told in school, which I think was actually a really good example that Miss Regina shared with us at Skyline College, she told us to envision a piece of paper and crumpling up that piece of paper or creating holes in that piece of paper, then opening it up and somebody saying, how do I restore this piece of paper to be the way it once was? How do I get it back to perfect? And the answer is it's it's really difficult to restore that kind of damage to what it once was originally. You can treat it, you can smooth it out, you can <laughs> use tape and and try to put things back together, but it may not necessarily ever get back to its perfect state. So that is why prevention is so much easier than correction. Things like wearing your SPF, trying to avoid not picking at your breakouts, especially cystic acne. This is the number one skin sin I see is either those with papulopustular rosacea, which means there's no blackhead, there's no whitehead, you just have an inflamed lesion that starts deep in the dermis. I've seen clients try to extract this type of inflamed spot that almost appears like acne when it's really not. And I've seen scarring because of that. I've also seen people try to extract or pop their hormonal acne, which just never ends well, usually leads to scarring because this is also an impaction that's very deep in the dermis. So we really want to know our limits when it comes to trying to extract or pop our pimples at home. I totally understand. Nobody wants to walk around with with acne. So if you are tempted to extract, try to ensure it's a blackhead or a whitehead and it's really ready, meaning there's no or very little surrounding inflammation. If you are extracting at home, this is not... (laughs) 
I even hesitate to say this because this is not an encouragement to extract your pimples at home. But if you were to do it, I would ensure the skin was clean, your hands were clean, you were using tissue around fingers, you're not using your nail, which is going to create trauma to the skin, and you're more so doing soft rolling motions and you were walking away if after one to two tries, nothing comes out. Sometimes you can switch up the angle and just use gentle pressure. The other thing is, which is why I just don't recommend this in the first place, but the other thing is you really have to get the whole thing out. And this is also advice to estheticians who are doing extractions. When we leave part of that impaction or infection in the follicle, it's... It, runs the risk of becoming inflamed, infected, and that's where we get a prolonged healing process when the infection is really still partially there. So if you're going to extract at all, you want to make sure you get the blackhead, the whitehead, and any of the remaining blood and lymph, and you are gently pressing until really nothing else can come out. And sometimes you'll extract and you might come back to it because sometimes you extract and then just the natural pressure of leaving it alone for a few minutes allows a little more to come up to the surface and then you can gently again squeeze not with your nails with your fingers wrapped in tissue after a shower after your skin is clean and make sure you get the rest of the blood and the lymph and then follow up with an antibacterial treatment Again, really don't recommend because here's the thing, it's in our nature as as primal beings to want to pick and groom. And once we get started, we really get a dopamine rush and it becomes very satisfying and difficult to walk away until we see that lesion is totally gone. So you know how it is. Everyone's popped a pimple at one point in time and it's just, it becomes like fascinating. You get sucked into it and it's really hard to step away once you've gone too far. As hard as it is, it's best left alone or left to a professional, somebody who's really experienced with extractions. That was a whole runaround, didn't even answer the question, but the best routine to heal acne scarring. You want to make sure we know if we are looking at a true scar, a true loss of collagen, this could mean ice pick scars, which tend to look like little ice picks. It could look like rolling scars, which almost give the skin a wave-like appearance. It could also be hypertrophic scarring. That's when, if you've ever seen a scar that is raised rather than a divot, such as an ice pick or a rolling scar, that is a hypertrophic scar. A lot of times it might be red or purplish. So those are true scars. A little discoloration or mark left left behind from acne is either PIE or PIH. Those are hyperpigmentation. So you want to get really clear with your client because there is a difference when it comes to treating a true scar versus treating hyperpigmentation. And oftentimes 
it's good news for our clients because they might assume they have scars. And again, it might just be hyperpigmentation. That is a lot easier to treat with scarring. We need to set a higher expectation that this is going to take treatment from multiple angles. Let's presume this person is talking about true scarring, but they did say it's not very deep. I mean, number one, you definitely need some gentle cleansers. I like every client to have a cream-based cleanser and a gel cleanser just because I feel like our skin's needs change. The seasons change. Sometimes we might be a little bit more oily than others. Sometimes we might be more dry. And I like to use a cream-based cleanser followed by a gel cleanser for double cleansing at night. This is why I designed my double cleansing system. You want to make sure you're definitely removing makeup, SPF, impurities, thoroughly and cleansing twice a day. We want to really prioritize acne management anytime we are concerned with scarring or hyperpigmentation because otherwise it just becomes a vicious cycle of more pigment, more scarring. And yes, having gentle cleansers is kind of like the foundation for the routine. Next, I would say you need a vitamin C. We can't stimulate collagen without vitamin C. So anyone who's interested in treating acne scars, you're going to need to be using a quality vitamin C on a daily basis. Number three, this is where exfoliation and those types of active ingredients come in. It really depends on the person. I think you could get a great result with AHAs. You could get a great result with retinol. It really depends on the person. But if you're able to use both a retinol and AHAs, not you know necessarily in the same time, like doesn't have to both be in your nighttime routine, but if you're able to use both, you are better able to hit different layers of the skin and work on building that collagen back up. Or for example, you could use retinol on a nightly basis and then go in for a chemical peel series to kind of try to mix things up and hit that collagen on different levels. Name of the game, again, is collagen production and really stimulating those fibroblasts. So ingredients like vitamin C, retinol, AHAs, BHAs, and more intensive in-office treatments such as the skin pen are going to be really, really great for acne scarring. Also lasers. There are so many lasers on the market, but what all of these things are doing is stimulating the fibroblast cells to produce new collagen. Lastly, you need hydration, some sort of moisturizer. If you can use something that has peptides, maybe something that has growth factors, so much the better. I actually really love the Regen Booster by Jan Marini. You can always message me on Instagram to order Jan Marini through Pomp Beauty. They ship free. 
Um, but the Regen Booster is a really great way to stimulate collagen production without exfoliating. It's more of a hydrating serum that helps with barrier repair alongside collagen production. So it's a nice supplement to any type of active routine. Last but not least is SPF. Need to make sure you are on SPF patrol. You are applying in the morning. You have a way to reapply throughout the day, even if you're just sitting at your desk near a window or you're getting in your car to drive home from work or taking the dog out for a walk. You want to make sure you reapply your SPF. I would say at least two times after your first application in the morning if you're really concerned with acne scars because that is one of the fastest ways we lose collagen and damage our skin. So that is insurance for everything else that I suggested. How do you know if a retinol is working or not working? I keep breaking out in my jawline. I love this question. I think there's so many caveats here and I think it's always and it depends, right? So number one, I would ask what kind of retinoid are you using? Because some are definitely better than others and just have more proven research behind them than others. The other part of that is some retinoids, including tretinoin, actually contain pore-clogging ingredients such as isopropyl myristate, which is a known clogger. Some, some pore-clogging ingredients are a little bit more on a grayscale, but we know isopropyl myristate is clogging for acne-prone skin. So why is it in the cream version of tretinoin? We do not necessarily know, but that is one thing to consider. When I was struggling with maturation rest and closed comedones, they would thrive on my cheeks and my forehead. And It used to be the bane of my existence. I still have some tiny, tiny scars on my forehead from when I struggled with comedonal acne that was just everywhere. And I'll never forget one summer I looked in the mirror and it was like seemingly out of nowhere. I'm sure it wasn't, but it just really caught me off guard, shocked me, and I had never seen my forehead so bumpy I know part of it had to do with increased oil production in the summertime and in my T-zone, but wow, my forehead was just covered and I was using tretinoin every single day at the time and my forehead just never got clear. A lot of my skin cleared up, my cheeks cleared up, my chin cleared up, but with my forehead, my theory is because I was already producing a decent amount of oil in the area and my pores are larger on my forehead. My theory is that the clogging ingredients in the formula were just, it was too congestive for that particular area of my skin and it became this cycle where I couldn't clear the follicle out fast enough when when we think about the oil I was already producing and the clogging nature of the topical I was applying to my skin daily. 
So that just also goes to show what is clogging for one person may not be clogging for another. It really just depends on the skin itself. And even the skin can vary in different areas. So that is one question I have for you if you feel like your retinoid isn't working. Question number two is how long have you been using it? Because from what I see, retinol is more of a long-term acne treatment product. I think ingredients like benzoyl peroxide are more effective immediately or even salicylic acid it's dissolving oil like pretty much on contact doesn't mean your acne is going to be over it doesn't mean your acne is going to go away overnight but when we're talking about a retinoid it's really more of a cumulative benefit over time in terms of regulating oil production and turning over those skin cells so what i see with retinoids is that it can take anywhere from three months to a year for a retinoid to really benefit you most times it gets worse before it gets better if a dermatologist puts somebody on tretinoin, usually they won't schedule your follow-up for at least three months because they know it's going to worsen before it gets better. So that is my second question. How long have you used it? The third thing I would say is that retinol has really been proclaimed this gold standard for acne. I really think that spot goes to benzoyl peroxide. Not everyone can tolerate and use benzoyl peroxide. It does tend to feel a bit stronger on the skin. It can provoke redness and dryness. However, benzoyl peroxide is more effective than a retinoid at targeting bacteria. This is why we've recognized using a retinol tends to only be effective for acne management for 40% of users. Again, because it's working on regulating oil and it's working on cell turnover. It's not addressing that bacterial component that is really important for a lot of people. So I found when I started introducing benzoyl peroxide to my skin, it, it, it needed to adjust to it in the beginning but once my skin got acclimated to it, it was really the best thing for me personally in terms of keeping me clear in the long term. And that was after about two or three years of faithfully using tretinoin, which definitely helped my skin get over a hump, but it just wasn't enough to fully, fully manage my acne for, for me. So that's something else to consider. A retinoid may not be the be-all end-all for acne. The last thing I will say on this note is the importance of managing your triggers alongside topical treatment. We want to remember acne is multifactorial. It's usually not just caused by one thing. It's something where we recognize there are so many continuous triggers and we know acne starts in the follicle 
A term I have coined when it comes to acne education is the ABCOs of acne. So when we're looking at acne and trying to understand why it happens, we have to understand it starts due to androgen fluctuations. Next is a bacterial component. C is a buildup of dead skin cells. And lastly, oil. So all of these factors come together to create an acne impaction, which starts in the very tiny follicle. Our follicle is just about the size and diameter of a single hair. So I'm looking at a single strand of my hair. And sometimes I'll show, I'll show <laughs> literally a strand of hair to my clients and say, do you see how small this is? This is all it takes to create an acne impaction. This tiny little hair diameter of oil and dead skin cell buildup and bacteria all mixing together in the follicle. So this is the real root of acne. We also have acne triggers. These are things that are not necessarily the direct root cause of acne, but they are factors that might affect one or more of these components of acne. So let's take consuming dairy, for example. Could be drinking milk, could be eating cheese, could be Greek yogurt, could be whey protein. These are all common acne trigger foods I see amongst new clients. So it's not necessarily that the dairy is the cause of your acne. The cause is those four things we just talked about, the ABCOs of acne. But dairy might affect your hormone levels. Dairy might increase the level of oil your skin is producing. Therefore, it's kind of an indirect trigger. It is so crucial to address acne triggers while treating somebody topically. I really try my best in the beginning of working with a new client to try to assess where the client is at, where their level of commitment is, if they are open and willing to adjust certain aspects of their lifestyle. If they are open to it, it's really for our best outcome. And I can tell sometimes clients get a little bit confused because they're like, wait, but aren't you going to give me products that work? And the answer is yes, they're going to work. But if we are triggering triggering acne, which remember it takes usually about three months for acne to form in the follicle, it's kind of like it ends up being two steps forward, one step back. You're treating the acne, you're working on preventing it and treating the existing bacteria or inflammation. But if you keep triggering it, it is really like pouring gasoline on the acne flame. So this is what I do in working with clients virtually. I will really assess your lifestyle, ask you questions to try to understand what what might be happening in terms of your personal triggers, then together we work on adjusting those habits and managing the triggers. Maybe it's not always 100% perfect, but at least you are aware of something that might be triggering your acne and you can give it your best 
possible effort at staying on top of those triggers while we are treating your acne topically. It is really that perfect marriage of adjusting the lifestyle habits and treating you topically that makes all the difference. So that that is my answer. Consider the product you're using. Ask yourself, am I really interrupting the process? Am I treating my skin every single night? Am I managing my triggers? Do I know what my triggers are? If not, it's such a worthwhile investment to see an acne specialist. And that way, even if you just see them one time, hopefully you could go back and see them two, three, or four, five, six times. But even just seeing them once would definitely be better than nothing. And you might learn something in terms of a trigger you haven't addressed. And sometimes it also takes that accountability. I think a lot of times, for example, my clients know the dairy conversation is coming and they just weren't ready to address it without the help of a professional telling them this really is important. We know without a shadow of a doubt dairy worsens acne. So let's try together interrupting that trigger and treating you with the right topicals at the same time. The next question is, is Janmarini Bioglycolic Cleanser too harsh for perioral dermatitis? How about her retinols too? Okay, so are Janmarini retinols harsh? No. Is the Bioglycolic Cleanser harsh? No. These are incredibly well-formulated, gentle products for for what they are as active ingredients. That said, perioral dermatitis, PD, it does not respond well to active ingredients, exfoliation, or retinoids. In everything I have seen and experienced as a longtime PD sufferer, these active ingredients tend to really worsen acne. I've seen somewhere some advice that, you know, you can go around the area and treat other parts of the face. I prefer to stop everything crazy, really put it aside. And this is the time where you want to go basic. It's okay to be simple. I'm talking gentle cleansers, free skin by Tessa cleansers would be great. I really love using low foam, especially if I have a PD flare-up, but both of my cleansers are free of acids. They're not exfoliating, which can be hard to find in cleansers. They're not technically soap, and they use very gentle cleansing agents, no SLS, which is something you want to avoid with PD. But yeah, we want to take it back to basics. I would not use any exfoliation or any acids, which is so annoying because I know we want to be working on our other skin concerns at the same time. But if you get a PD flare, it's almost like stop, drop, roll. Everything goes on the back burner and the priority is getting that flare up managed. I would recommend if you are experiencing PD, the best thing I could tell you is to seek a really good 
dermatologist. This is usually a condition that is motivated internally. It can definitely be worsened or triggered by topicals or kind of going overboard with your exfoliation or going up in a retinol strength, but it does have a lot of mysterious triggers, might be hormones, could be a seasonal change, could be something as small as chewing gum or toothpaste. Stress can worsen it. So I would really suggest seeking seeking medical help. I have only ever had success with treating PD with an antibiotic, which sucks to say. I know it's not something we want to be taking. That said, there can be, you know, a time and a place where you can get really desperate. And of course, you know, I'm somebody who would always rather go the natural route, but I have seen people um, kind of get hurt in the process of delaying seeing a doctor and getting the right medication. The condition can spread. It can it can get worse really quickly and it doesn't always happen for everyone, but that was my experience. It starts with a little rash. You might start to develop little bumps or scales. And then for me, all of a sudden, just spread up my entire face, spread up to my eye and it got really uncomfortable. The only thing that helped me was an antibiotic. So I did take probiotics while I took my antibiotics. I took them for about a week. Was it great for my gut health, my immune system, my overall health? No, but was it a desperate time where I just really needed the medication? Yeah. So that is what has worked for me um, in regards in regards to the rest of the routine. I would suggest using a non-comedogenic moisturizer, maybe a little hyaluronic acid serum if you want. Something like the CBD Micro Silver Miracle from Glymed Plus is a really great anti-inflammatory, but I would really keep in mind less is more. The next question is, what are some of your favorite meals for acne-prone clients? And I really love this question. And yeah, this is something I'm really passionate about. I think it can be easier than we might think. One of the first things I will say is you want to ensure you are eating enough as an acne-prone person. You don't want huge gaps in your day where your blood sugar is swinging. You want to try to ensure you're eating regular meals. So that probably means going to the grocery store if you can, at least weekly, trying to meal prep if that's accessible to you. Try to bring satiating meals to work or school and just ensure you have some some good balanced go-tos, which we can talk about those next, but I don't think that gets enough attention. And I just see a lot of clients, especially young women who often aren't eating enough and they have such busy schedules. They're going from activity to activity, and you really want to emphasize balanced meals and snacks. 
So I love sharing a lot of the meals that I make on Instagram and Instagram stories. I usually share my meals daily and they're nothing fancy. I'm not a big cook. I don't have a lot of (laughs) cooking experience. I just make basic things and I like to have fun with it. Next, I would really emphasize protein and making that the focal point of your meals. When you do that, everything becomes a lot easier that follows. So I would look at protein first. After protein, I would think about your fruits and veggies. We want to aim for a high intake of fruit and veggies as long as that's something you digest well and we're not necessarily talking about, you know, if somebody has IBS or they have a hard time digesting these kinds of foods, that's when it would be best to speak to your specialist. But generally, if you tolerate them well, getting a diversity of fruits and veggies on your plate is a really good thing. And a couple things I like to do just to change it up and get more fruits and veggies in my diet is, you know, maybe I make a meal and then I'll add something like a handful of baby carrots from the fridge or some sliced cucumber, which pretty much almost goes with everything. It's a very neutral, palatable food or some little cherry tomatoes, some celery, you know, whatever you like. It could just be little chopped up <laughs> veggies and and thinking about, could I even add that to my breakfast? I don't know. Maybe that sounds weird, but maybe to somebody else it doesn't. Or you add that to to your lunch or to your dinner. And that way, you know, sometimes it feels a little overwhelming to like always have cooked veggies or some elaborate side dish. Sometimes it's as simple as just grabbing something accessible from your fridge. Something else I like to do is challenge myself to get a new fruit or veggie at the store. And that way I can just switch it up, try something new, and it benefits your gut diversity and gut health. Next, I would think about your fats, and that might mean avocado, might be olive oil, might be sesame oil. I've really been loving sesame oil for salads, and I've been making this raw carrot salad that's great for skin health, great for hormone health, contains uh, natural vitamin A, and I feel like the sesame oil just adds a really yummy flavor. So I've been loving that. Um, Fats could also be your seeds, could be sunflower seeds, could be almonds, could be macadamia nuts. Lots of room to play with healthy fats, could even be salmon or a fish. Lastly, I would think about your carbohydrate source. And This is a nuanced conversation for sure, and I want to be really careful here because carbohydrates are not bad. If you are somebody who exercises a lot, you have the type of job where you're moving around a lot, you know, maybe you're an esthetician, you might have a higher calorie need or a higher carbohydrate 
need than somebody who is more sedentary like myself for most of the day. And also as women, I think there are certain times of the month where we naturally crave and need more carbohydrates for energy. And that's the other thing. Carbs are energy. They are not bad. Before I'm going into a workout, I want to make sure I have a little bit of a carbohydrate before and after the workout to to give me the energy I need. And this is where the food conversation gets interesting because a lot of people will ask, is this good? Is this bad? And food is never black or white. There's no good food. There's no bad food. All food serves purpose for us. Maybe it's for energy. Maybe it's for joy. Maybe it is to satiate us. Maybe it is to fuel our muscles after a workout. It really just depends on the goal and also the portion size too. When we're talking about acne, it gets a little confusing because something might be a very healthy food, but it might not be necessarily the healthiest for acne. So as a nutrition coach, if somebody has the goal of putting on muscle in the gym or losing weight even, dairy, peanuts, those kinds of things are are very healthy staples for somebody who's big into fitness, who wants extra protein, lean protein sources. Things like, you know, cream of rice or white rice. Those are very healthy staples for somebody who is, you know, in the gym or lifting weights, or trying to gain muscle. They are healthy foods. The conversation is a little bit different when we are talking about acne. When we're talking about acne, we know a higher intake of simple carbohydrates is just not necessarily the most helpful for an acneic person. Simple carbohydrates can convert to sugar, and they tend to fuel acne as a condition. So that's where I would suggest, doesn't mean never having carbs, but I would suggest having a lower intake, especially of simple carbohydrates. I would instead prioritize complex carbohydrates, foods such as sweet potato, brown rice, quinoa, beans. Beans are amazing as long as you feel comfortable digesting them. They're actually great for gut health. They're super satiating. They're a high protein food. They're a whole food source. And uh, beans are something I really recommend having in your diet as an acne prone person. Again, if you can tolerate them, I would suggest leaning into those foods and considering them as more of a side rather than the bulk of the meal. Do I often have, you know, things like bonza pasta or jovial pasta? I I definitely have higher carbohydrate days, especially as somebody who is lifting weights and working on a strength goal in the gym. I need some carbohydrates. Um, That said, I really prioritize the protein and try to ensure I'm getting a high intake of fruits and veggies, getting good healthy fats in my skin, (laughs) in my meals, (laughs) and putting less emphasis on the 
the carbohydrates. Again, I'll still have pasta. I'll still have a bagel. When I have those types of foods, though, I usually, doesn't mean it always happens, but I like to try to incorporate a protein for one. If I don't, I will be hungry (laughs) 30 minutes to an hour later. Protein really helps to uh, create fullness and um, just make more long-lasting energy. Whereas simple carbohydrates, if you think of gym goers who might have like Rice Krispies right before the gym or white bread or what else is like a popular fitness food, like even candy, simple carbohydrates, because they're really trying to get that quick hit of energy. But you don't want that for your everyday healthy lifestyle because it's a quick spike and crash in blood sugar. So that's kind of the overarching theme I would say I'm looking at when it comes to an acne sufferer's ideal diet. I would try to minimize or eliminate certain known acne triggers such as dairy, again, if they're up for it, peanuts and peanut products, eggs, I find it can depend on the person, but because eggs contain a protein called albumin in the egg white, and they do contain biotin, for some people, eggs are a major acne trigger, and a lot of people consume eggs as like their daily breakfast. So something I like to do with my clients is have a conversation about acne triggers and first even ask if they're open to having that conversation. Do, do they want to get into it? You know, is that okay with them? Are they willing to hear some suggestions? You just want to be really sensitive with these types of conversations. And again, I do have a uh, certification in nutrition that kind of allows me to implore a little bit deeper. Um, So getting an understanding of what triggers might be in the diet, are they having a high intake of caffeine daily, energy drinks, alcohol, lots of sweets or simple carbohydrates, fast food, donuts, bagels, uh, breakfast sandwiches on a daily basis. We might start with one to two of these triggers because it can feel overwhelming to do a a whole diet overhaul and you really need to meet people where they are at. And the thing is with nutrition, it always has to feel attainable. It has to feel reasonable. Otherwise, somebody can lose motivation really quick and it might sound appealing on day one for them to do a 180 and only eat whole foods, you know, never have any of these acne triggering foods. And then a couple weeks in, they might start to revert to their old habits. So I find it a little bit more manageable if we can just start with one to two of these acne triggers. And that way, somebody can build their confidence and then over time we might address something else if they're still feeling a little bit stagnant in terms of their progress. So 
I'll share some meals that I make on a regular basis. But again, kind of keep in mind this formula where you can really plug in a protein, veggies, healthy fat, and then think of a complex carb as your little side. And the possibilities are really endless with that. So some things I really like that I tend to make repeatedly are number one, chili. My friend Josh, shout out Agent Rx, he really got me on the chili bandwagon this year. And I love it because it's a high protein meal packed with fiber and protein from the beans, antioxidants in the tomatoes. We have soothing bone broth for gut health and we have beef packed with amino acids. Animal protein is not a bad thing for acne. I'll make I'll make that chili. Uh, I also really love fish and more so talking about like a salmon or a white fish versus high iodine seafood such as shrimp, crab, or any shellfish. I really love tuna salad and I know tuna salad is hit or miss with some people, but I will do tuna. I like to get the kind that's packed in oil. If you're trying to consider calories, packed in water would be better, but I like the flavor of it packed in oil. And then I will add in maybe some cucumbers, some tomato, I might use avocado just to get a certain consistency that I like. I might even chop up some pickles and then you could do it just on its own. I like to put it in little romaine boats. Next, I really love making wraps. They're such an easy lunch, but it could be a breakfast or dinner. And I like to add turkey. You could also do tuna. You could do chicken. And once you have your protein, you can really just add whatever veggies you want. Pretty much all veggies <laughs> tend to taste good in a wrap. I like to do cucumber, sprouts, carrots, little mixed greens or arugula, whatever you want. And I think the sauce is like the make or break for the wrap. I am a big pesto girl. My mom always made homemade pesto growing up, so that's what I love. Trader Joe's has really great vegan pesto that is affordable. Most store-bought pestos are going to have dairy in it, so go for the Trader Joe's one or make your own. You can also make pesto with pine nuts instead of Parmesan, so that's something I love. And I'll throw in a dinner some dinner and breakfast options as well. So for, let's start with breakfast. For breakfast, I've really been loving a few things. Uh, I love a good berry smoothie. Berries are kind of an ideal fruit for an acne sufferer because they are low sugar and they provide a ton of antioxidants, which is amazing for skin health, and uh, healing. So I love to do a blueberry smoothie or a strawberry smoothie. I'll usually choose either one as my base. Then I will add in a milk of choice. Usually for me, I'll do almond milk or coconut milk. You could also do 
hemp seed milk, um, even oat milk. I, I really don't think like hot take. I don't think a little oat milk is a major problem for acne sufferers. Yes, be aware of what's in it, but I think you can still have a little oat milk in your diet as an acne sufferer. For a plant protein for my smoothie, I really like one, I believe the brand is Epic. It's a blue label and it's a hemp seed protein. It tastes really natural and smooth and not gritty and weird. I'll do that or I'll do a Truvani, which is a pea protein powder, and they have a bunch of good flavors. I like the banana cinnamon one, and then I'm recently trying out the chai flavor, and it is pretty good. And then I will add handful of greens. Lately, I've been going for kale because my doctor recommended a low histamine diet for my autoimmune flare-ups. So spinach is amazing. Otherwise, it is a high histamine food. So if you are autoimmune, if you are very rash prone, that might be something to consider. Kale is a better choice. And that just goes to show there's super healthy, there's spinach, and there's healthy for a low histamine diet or rosacea or, you know, rash prone people. So I will always choose a veg. You could go the extra mile. You could add cauliflower rice, another great staple at the grocery store. Pick up some frozen cauliflower or um, just in a bag. You can get it pre-chopped and it's the easiest thing ever. You can use it in smoothies, dinners, whatever you want. And then you have a easy, quick breakfast. Smoothies are also amazing because they're pre-digested. Your body doesn't have to do a lot of work to break it down. So that's definitely a go-to for me for breakfast. Or I will do a chia seed pudding and I'll just soak the chia seeds in little containers overnight. Side note, I find having the right containers is key for meal prep. Like that sounds so obvious, but if you have things packed in containers and they're easy to grab, you're more likely to reach for them. They're accessible. They're easy. It's ready. So I've really been loving making chia seed pudding with chia seeds. I've been doing a vanilla bean almond milk. I think the brand is called Three Trees and I might do a little vanilla protein powder. I'll use my little hand blender and just whisk that up. Then in the morning, you can top it with your berries, a banana. If you want to do some almond butter, some hemp seeds on top for additional protein, you can really have fun with it. If you are somebody who loves a Greek yogurt bowl, this is kind of a nice alternative. Or you could use coconut yogurt and do like coconut yogurt parfait, something like that. For dinner options, we tend to make pretty simple protein-based meals. We do eat meat, um, so we will often make steak or salmon or chicken and then some sort of little side like maybe it's sweet potatoes. We've really been loving Japanese sweet potatoes. Those are like one of my favorite carb sources. We might do some brown rice. Dylan really likes quinoa. 
And then if you can, do a big portion of veggies. I love the taste of veggies. Sometimes I forget how much I like them. And I find the easiest way to do this is either the air fryer or just a sheet pan, honestly, in the oven. And just getting a big pan, chopping up your carrots, chopping up zucchini. Maybe it's squash. Uh, maybe it's broccoli, broccolini, asparagus. So many things you can do. You can look at what's in season and then just honestly put it in the oven, bake it, and you have a whole tray of veggies that you can use for your meal and the next day. And the last meal I will say that I make all the time is a burrito bowl. It's just one of my favorite things. I think if you grow up in California, you just know good Mexican food and love Mexican food. So that's something I make at least once a week, if not twice. I love me some brown rice, especially some short grain brown rice. You just make it in a pot on the stove. Um, and then you can add your protein. I, if I get really lazy, we will get an organic rotisserie chicken from our local store, or I will get the pre-made chicken from Trader Joe's. It's the easiest thing ever. It's not the, it's not the, the best quality product, I'm sure, but it gets the job done if you just need a really easy, easy protein source. Um, I'll do that. I will do some beans. I've really been loving beans that come in this little pouch. I know the name starts with an F. It was on my stories the other day, blanking on it now, but basically just pre-made beans that you microwave. They have some seasoning and they're so good and they're ready really quickly. So I like those for a little side. Then you can just have fun with it. Use, you know, avocado, love guacamole. Try to check the label if you're buying guacamole from the store. Try to avoid dairy because oftentimes it is used in store-bought guacamoles, but Trader Joe's has little packets that do not have any dairy in the guac. I think it's called, I don't know, they're like little, <laughs> I'm blanking on all the names today, but just little to-go packs of guac. And then I'll just do a base of romaine, maybe some tomatoes, really whatever you want. There's even dairy-free sour cream, there's dairy-free cheeses. I really like the Violife brand. I like the feta and I like their Mexican shreds. And then a lot of times I'll top it with salsa. I love green salsa, but really any salsa is a great way to get some flavor in your meal that will not be acne triggering. So those are some of my go-tos. I would love to know what yours are. If you have any, let me know on the gram. I think I'm going to wrap up the episode here, but it was so much fun catching up and hanging out and answering your questions. Maybe I'll do a part two because I got quite a few questions and I really love hearing what you want to hear me talk about. So thank you so much for listening as always. If it's not too much to ask, 
if you could leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, it goes a long, long way in supporting the show and means so much. Don't forget to follow along on Instagram at mySDTessa. And I will talk to you guys next week.